Welcome, everybody, and good morning to another episode of Time Out with myself, Gabe Bolt, alongside me, Nick Lebrano. Guys, how was everyone doing? We have an awesome action-packed uh, show for you guys today, starting off with the NBA draft. Nick, let's get your initial thoughts on this draft. Um, The Knicks got it right. I think this is the most confident I feel in a Knicks pick in two decades. I, I think that's pretty hard to believe. Um, They couldn't really screw the draft up last year with R.J. Barrett. But when you have the eighth pick, it's hard to make certain decisions. And I think the Knicks made the right one with taking Obi Toppin. Obi, they wanted Obi Toppin. They were trying to trade up to the fifth pick yesterday. They trying to make a trade with the Cavs yesterday to get him. And then even have to. Obi Toppin fell to eight to, like, everybody's surprise. I don't think anybody thought he was going to fall to eight. And he does. The Knicks get their guy. Um, this dude is explosive. You'll get any of his highlights at Dayton. He, the one downfall to him, he's already 22. And I know a lot of people are like, no, we got to take those 18, 19 year olds one year out of college, but Obi Toppin finished all four years at school. Um, but this kid is ridiculously explosive. He has the most did like the most dunks in D one basketball last year. He won the wooden award for the uh, most valuable player in college basketball. Um, he's, He's exactly what the Knicks need. He's a well. The modern Knicks fans are saying that we know we needed a point guard. We should have taken a point guard at eight. We don't need another forward. But this dude's too good of a player, in my opinion, to just pass up on. Right, exactly. I think you know uh, the Knicks did it well. You know, you're a Knicks fan. I think you guys, no offense, any Knicks fans listening, uh, need as much help as possible. Uh, you know? Yeah, we're the worst team <laughs> in the league, and I don't even think it's close. <laughs> um, but you know, as, as a Celtics fan, I think we did well. You know, we got. Uh, Aaron Smith, who is a phenomenal star. I think he's going to be great on the Celtics. Um, but, you know, I think this was a great draft. But something I just want to touch on really quick uh, was LaMelo Ball going third um, with his older brother, um, Lonzo, who went second. Uh, was it two years? When was this? Two years? No, last uh, it year. was No, nah, Lonzo got taken, about th- I think, three years ago. Three years ago? Yeah, it's the Lakers, uh, and then now he's on the Pelicans. Now he's on the Pelicans. <laughs> Yeah, and then now Lamelo's on uh, in Charlotte, so you know they got their work cut out for them. But I just wanted to give a quick, uh, little bit of just like a thought here with his dad because I just read an article. Lavar, Lavar, who <laughs> was you know we we know him as a serious just loud mouth, and he can never keep his mouth shut, and he just talks all the time. Um, but I got to give him credit, you know, he's got two sons. You know, they've gone the first round, top five picks. I mean, you know, it, 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 I, as much as everyone just is, you know, gives him you know, all this bad credit, I think he is a father. He, he's done pretty well. I'm not going to lie to you. He's, uh, so I just want to bring that up really quick. But I, I can, I, I might want to disagree with you. I don't know how. Really? Yeah. I think it's like you got like teams have to draft <laughs> his kids now and have to know that they're not just getting the kids, they're getting the ball baggage. Yeah, um, I get. Yeah, it's, it's true. they're like a wannabe Kardashian family. Like, would they have a reality? They have a reality TV show. Oh Ball my gosh, the family. That's right? Like, it's like they want to be the Kardashians, but they're not. They're like discounted Kardashians that are just in the NBA now. And I don't know. I, I'm very happy the Knicks did not get Lamelo. Um, I think Lamelo Ball's got bust written all over him. Lonzo isn't that good either. Um, and. Sure, Lamelo Ball Ball's tall and he can shoot and he can pass, but he played eleven games in a semi-pro league in New Zealand. And he also was coming off an injury. We have to remember. Yeah, that. he's also so coming he off an injury. injury. That's why he only played eleven games. It's not like it's not like James Wiseman, but the NCAA was like, you cannot play anymore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, James Wiseman. They're like, yeah, you, you just you can't. They were like, Memphis tampered with you. You can't play now. Lamelo got hurt, and yeah. I don't know. My it, it just 
I don't think there's enough. There's 11 games of tape on him. That's it. Like, sure, his measurables look good, but like, also, te- you just couldn't really get workouts with these guys. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm very happy the Knicks don't have Lamelo Ball. I also don't think it's worth having to deal with Lavar because the dude's a definition of a of like a nutcase. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's like the perfect father, but I'm saying I think you're right about the the fact that if you get any ball player, you're gonna get the ball family. Yeah, it's Lavar, just... and that's. And it's just I mean, not worth it. It's not I mean, like you're gonna with the first game of the NBA season. I'm pretty sure is the Pelicans and the Hornets. So you're gonna see Lonzo go against Levar, go against Lamelo. But oh my gosh, yeah, that's gonna be, it's gonna be that's pretty, gonna be it's gonna be funny. Um, but back on the Knicks, really quick, there was one thing. This is Leon Rose's first big gig as the Knicks' new president of the team. And one thing that really impressed me is so the Knicks held the 28th pick and the 30. 30- eighth pick um the second round pick and they're they had the clippers pick at 28 and they managed to flip both those picks to the jazz the 23rd pick then uh leon rose was able to flip the 23rd pick for the 25th and the 32nd pick in the draft so 25 is better than 28 and 33 is better than 38 so he managed to flip one. He managed to flip two picks into one pick, and then flip those picks into two picks that were better than the original two. I mean, that's that's a, really that's a masterful G. That's a masterful move, and that's a masterful front office move. I don't think we've seen the Knicks do in quite a while. And even at twenty five, it took a manual quickly from Kentucky and Kenny Payne, who's from Kentucky, is now the assistant coach in the Knicks. Knows him, so it, I just all the moves they made last night, I have absolutely no complaints about. I mean, it is. I think this is a great draft for mm-hmm. the Knicks. You guys did a, a phenomenal job, and I give I give Rose a lot of credit because to to do that is is definitely difficult. But it's a first year GM. As long as he has any front office GM. experience, he was an agent. And it's you know I think he, he put you guys in a very solid position. Yeah, a very solid position. And like speaking of good front office moves, let's look at the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. Who, like as of last night, now they don't have the 16, but last night they came into the draft with 16 first round picks up until 2026. That's huge. That's insane. What? They got five first round picks for Paul George. They got three for, they got three for Westbrook. Um, They had picks and they traded Dennis Schroeder for one pick and then they traded Chris Paul for another two (laughs) on top of pick swaps. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. I mean, that, that is, I mean, is... And let's be honest, they're probably not done. They can still trade Steven Adams for a first-round pick, probably. And if they can sign, and if they can flip Danilo Gallinari in a sign-in trade, that's another first-round pick easy. That's correct. I mean, it's just... That's smart playing. That's smart strategizing, I think, by OKC. Yeah. No, but, I mean, you're also losing a couple of players. But, that you know, I think... That they're, like, I yeah, think but OKC they're rebuilding. Thinking, you're going to lose these so, players yeah. anyway. It's good to trade they're them def- for their highest assets. Yeah. No, this is I think OKC is thinking more of future, you know, future seasons than they are thinking right now. They're like, oh, no, gotta, they're not trying to win right now. They're, they're like, trying to build. They're trying to put pieces around Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. But that's going to lead me to like my next point. So Chris Paul was on the Oklahoma City Thunder and they were the biggest overachieving team in the NBA last year, getting the fourth pick, getting the fourth seed in the NBA playoffs when everyone was like, OKC is going to be the bottom of the lottery and they make the playoffs and almost win the, they almost, they almost beat the uh, Rockets. Um, and then 
Chris Paul was the really the the heart and soul of the team last year. He gets traded to the Suns, and when the Suns win the NBA bubble, they went eight and zero. They missed the eighth seed, but they still went eight and zero. They won every game they were there, and they were looking like really sharp. DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. So just Chris Paul getting added to the Suns team that's already really up and coming, really coming together as a what could be a contender. Do you think Chris Paul puts them in that contender category? I think he does. I think, uh, as, as you said before, when they were in the bubble, when the Suns were in the bubble, they were 8-0, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this just makes them a lot better. I know, you know, we know Chris Paul. He's been around a good, a, a very long He's 35, time. yeah. He's 35, so he's been around. He's been in the NBA. He's, you know, you could say he's definitely not a rookie. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> you know? not. Definitely he's not. His fourth a, team. Fourth team. So, I, But I think, you know, with – the experience he has in the NBA and the, you know, he's, he's, I think Chris Paul is a great player. I think he's a phenomenal player. And I think putting him on the Suns just makes this Sun team even better. I'm excited to see how this Suns team actually does this season because this Suns team is really going to make a run for their money. No question. Especially now with Chris Paul. Yeah. I, I definitely think so. Cause I think the one thing the team lacked was that veteran presence and that's yeah. exactly what Chris Paul is going to bring. And he's still at a stat- starting caliber point guard. Like He's still at a starting caliber player in the NBA right now. So put him next to Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, who's looking better and better every year. Uh, they can fill in some of the blanks with their forward situation. They have a decent bench already. Like Mikael Bridges is really good. Um, so if you can fill in some of the blanks that they have, like the Suns are going to be a good team. Especially yeah, their Monty Williams is a great head coach. Oh, yeah. I think he's a phenomenal. And I think, you know, I just want to go back to his points. You know, Devin Booker's young. He needs some more experience. I think if you throw Chris Paul with him, that's going to help him even get even better. Mm-hmm. You know, and Devin Booker's already. Insane. And he's already a phenomenal player for the Suns. So mm-hmm. just putting him there is just, I think this, this Suns team is, is going to be very good. No question. Yeah. And staying on topic with teams really blowing it up this offseason, it looks like. What do, you, what, is, what do you make of the Rockets right now? They just traded Robert Covington to the Trailblazers. for. They got two first-round picks back. Uh, I think the Trailblazers actually – and they got Trevor Ariza. I think the Trailblazers, like, really finessed the, the Rockets on that trade. Um, Robert Covington is a really good player. Um, he's definitely going to help Damian Lillard and TJ McCollum, especially now that they have a song white side and if Nurkic is going to come back healthy. Um, so putting Rocco on this team does help them with a three and D aspect, but where do you make, where do you put the Rockets right now? Do you think they're going to deal Harden and Westbrook before the end of the season? And if you do, where do you think they're going to end up? I don't know. This is a very, uh, sticky situation because Harden's been with the, uh, with the Rockets for so long. Yeah. Uh, You know, we saw him last season and he was having an okay season, but it didn't seem. He he led the league in scoring. Yeah. he, He had a great season, but I think there was still some you know, behind the scenes stuff that we didn't really understand, you know, that Harden was kind of having issues with, um, you know, I think, I think he's going to stay. I think they're both going to stay for now. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's still a lot of talk and, and murmurs going on. I think uh, Westbrook and Harden are going to stay on the, on, on Houston, but it's very iffy. I think the situation is still very up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but I, I, I have a gut, I have a gut feeling and my gut feeling could be totally wrong. You know, they could just, you know, be, Traded and like just you know to another team, but I think that they're gonna stay. What do you think, Nick? Um, I personally think both of them are gonna be gone. Uh, I can't see I can't see the Rockets rolling with Harden and Westbrook to start the season. Even though they start the season on a team, they're gonna get dealt. Yeah. Um, Harden's trying to force himself into Brooklyn. 
I don't see how Brooklyn even makes this trade. Like, I don't see how they can make the trade. I don't know how they can pay Kyrie Irving, Chris Paul, and exactly. James Harden. I mean, like, James Harden's on a super max, and Kyrie and KD are on maxes. So, and, like, Harden turned down a two-year contract that would have netted him $130 million, which would have made him the first player in NBA history to make $50 million in a season. And he turned it down. The Rockets offered it to him, and he said no. Um but, like, I just can't see how you can manage to send him to the Nets without the Nets being way over the cap. Even if they aren't, they're going to have no bench around him. Because if you they, – what? They're going to have to trade Levert. They're probably going to have to sign and trade Dinwiddie. Uh, you're going to trade Levert. You're going to have to trade Jarrett Allen. You're probably – you're going to have to trade a bunch of other young assets that you have on your bench. And then what's your team? Exactly. And that's the thing is, like, where do you – like, you know, if Harden wants to go to Brooklyn, have him, but, like, Brooklyn can't afford Harden. That's, like – you know, are you going to waste all your young talent? I think they're a worse team with him. I don't think there's enough basketballs for Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Yeah. No, quite. I mean, it's, but the, the issue is, like, if you can't – so, if you know, we know Brooklyn has some D, like young players that they need to start developing. It's like, why are, would you be willing to lose those players to push your cap even harder, farther up and say, okay, we'll, we'll pay for Harden. We'll get Harden. I personally wouldn't do that because then you don't, you don't have a bench. Exactly. What's going to happen when they're not on the floor? Exactly. Exactly. The team's going to fall apart. You have a rookie head coach, and you have a rookie head coach in Steve Nash. Like, granted, they have Mike D'Antoni now. That's going to help. That's going to be an assistant coach. But Steve Nash is a rookie head coach. This is going to be this would be quite the challenge to coach. It's going to be my opinion. Tough. Yeah, in my opinion, if Harden's going to get dealt, he's going to go to the Sixers. And I think the Sixers are already yeah. priming themselves to make this deal. Um, last night, they traded – not last night. On Thursday night, the Rockets – the not the Rockets. The Sixers traded uh, – they traded – what's his name? Uh, Al Horford to the Thunder with, with another first-round pick. The Thunder got another first-round pick with Al Horford. Um, and they traded him for Danny Green. And Al Horford was on a huge contract from $24 million a year. And you got that contract out of Philly. And then Philly also made the trade where they traded – Philly also traded Josh Richardson off the team for Seth Curry. So that's another contract that's now off of Philly's books. And I think Philly is trying to prime themselves to make a deal for James Harden for the next couple of days. And I think Tobias Harris is going to be the center of the deal going back to the Rockets. I think that's what's going to have to happen here. I think so. And, and, you know, as much as I would like to see Harden stay, I think it, it might be for him to – it might be his time to go. Um, and I think you're right. I think Philly has a very good shot of getting Harden. Brooklyn, not so much. Mm-hmm. Not- and Westbrook's up in the air too. Westbrook's going to get dealt. It's like just a matter of where. The Hornets are interested apparently. I can see him going to the Knicks. I could also see the Clippers giving up a little bit for him. The Clippers need yeah. a – well, they have Pat Beverly, but they don't have a point guard like Westbrook. They don't have a point guard like Westbrook. So we'll see what happens there. Let's see Alrighty, so let's move from NBA to NFL. Nick, Cardinals are now in first place in the NFC West. What are your thoughts on this? Let's get your initial thoughts on the Cardinals right now. Um, Seahawks lose two straight, lost to the Rams, and the Cardinals take the NFC West on tiebreakers. They beat the Seahawks and the Rams this year. The Cardinals have beaten everybody they played in the NFC West so far. Um, the Cardinals... They they lost the Dolphins last week, and then well, not two weeks ago they lost the Dolphins, and they beat the Seah- they beat the Bills this week on the best hail mary pass I've personally ever seen. I do not understand how DeAndre Hopkins caught that ball. <laughs> it, it was Gabe. We're both talking about it. As it the was pass crazy. Happened, and it was, it was crazy. I mean, uh, 
I mean, when I, you know, I, I love, uh, I love Kyler Murray. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. And I know, and I know he has an arm. We saw him at Oklahoma. He has a great arm. He can throw for yards. But I, I see him more as a, as a, as a, as a running quarterback. And when he just, he rolled out of the pocket, he was basically almost at the sideline and just heaved that up. And I was like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, maybe someone catches. It. I don't know. And you see DeAndre Hopkins covered by like two or three, you know, defensemen, and he just boom right there. Catches. I, I, was, I was watching I was, my brother, I and was, my brother goes, "Yo, he caught that!" And I was like, <laughs> "What?" I mean, it was, it was nuts. It was crazy. I it mean, was a great thrown ball too. And oh, the, after the game, Cliff Kingsbury was in an interview, and he said that was not the play they drew up. The play they drew up was called the Cowboy, and I don't know if you remember. But in the NFC divisional round, when the Cowboy, when the Cowboys and Packers played, and the Packers beat the Cowboys, remember when Aaron Rodgers threw that pass to Jared Cook to set up the yep. game-winning field goal? Yeah, that was the play they drew up. They were going to try to have Andy Isabella go to the sideline, catch the ball, and run and go out of bounds, have like three seconds on the clock, and kick a field goal and win. I mean, but Cliff Kingsbury told Kyler Murray if he thinks he can get the ball to D Hop to make the play, and Kyler Murray made the play. He made the play. I mean. That's like, Kyler Murray had to scramble around four defenders. It's not like Kyler Murray had blocking. Kyler was, Murray was getting rushed. He was getting rushed, and it was I just that that kind of, that game for me personally solidified how good of a quarterback this man is. Mm-hmm. Like he, it's just you know to make that throw with literally four seconds on the clock, and to just put it right. I mean, obviously, he, like it was right where it needed right to be there. for Hopkins to catch it. I mean, and and the trust he had to have in Hopkins to be like, okay, I'm going to throw it up, and I'm going to trust that you're going to get you're going to get to that ball. They don't say he's the best covered. receiver in football for nothing. <laughs> I mean, it was just an unreal play, an unreal mm-hmm. play, crazy. And like with the Cardinals now in the first place, the NFC West, should the Seahawks be worried? I I think so. You know, I think this. This Arizona Cardinals team is is not to be messed around with. They're a they're a solid squad. I think the Seahawks definitely have to uh, understand that and see that this you know they 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 got to put they got they they got some competition. They got some serious competition. You know, I think at the beginning of the the season, the Seahawks are like, okay, this is it. The Seahawks are going to blow through this NFC West division, no problem. And it's like now, oh, hold on. Now you got the Cardinals coming up, so mm-hmm. I think they they got uh they got some work to be put in the the Seahawks team, no question. Yeah, losing two straight like that, so they lost to the Bills and then lost to the Rams. Um, the Bills look good in the AFC, personally. Yeah, they look um, great. They look great. Uh, the Rams look well improved from last season. The NFC West is probably right now the best division in football. You have three teams at six and three. Um, just sitting at the top of the division right now. Cardinals are only in first place because of tiebreakers. Yeah. Um, but the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the Rams all sit at 6-3 and three at the top of the NFC West. And it's going to be real interesting how this, how this keeps going, especially because you can't rule the 49ers explicitly out of it yet. The 49ers are just if – they if they can get Jimmy Garoppolo back, they can get Jimmy Garoppolo back and they can start winning some games – I wouldn't be shocked if even you put the 49ers back into conversation, maybe not to win the division, but to make the playoffs at least. Yeah. No, I think, I think, you know, the, you can't, I don't think you can rule anybody out in the NFC West. I think it, there's so much potential in each team. I mean, you know, I'm just looking here at the, at the, t- at the conference. I mean, it's just the, all the teams are so good. Six, everybody's six and three, except for the 49ers. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, four down instead of four and six, four but if the six. 49ers clean their act up, they can probably make the playoffs. So, you know, the, 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 this, this is probably the tightest race right now. So, yeah, you know, as much as I would like to see the Cardinals stay in, in first, I, I mean, who knows, who knows, who knows if that's going to even be a thing after, after tomorrow's, you know, Sunday football, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think this is a very tight race. I think the 49ers could get back into this if Garoppolo gets better. But, I mean, we're going to have to see. This is a very close race. Yeah. One thing I want to quickly bring up is the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees is out with – going to be out for a few weeks. He's broken ribs, and he had a collapsed right lung after last week's win. Um, Does Jameis Winston keep this team in first place in the NFC South? I – you know what, Nick? I got to be honest with you. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, we're gonna we, have to see. We're gonna have to see, but I mean, I, you know, I don't want to make any harsh predictions. I, we're gonna have to see how he does, but you know, this might be the gap that the Buccaneers need to push themselves over the Saints with Drew Brees mm-hmm. out now. Um, I think this is this is gonna be a, a very testing. Uh, I guess you could say a couple of weeks for the Saints to see. You know, if you lose Drew Brees, can you still hold the lead, or, yeah. or, or are you gonna give it up? Are you gonna let the Buccaneers? come up and just take the lead. So I think this this is going to be an interesting couple of weeks with, when, with Breeze out for sure. It's going to be a great audition for uh, Jameis Winston. If he's going to, cause this is, let's, this is Breeze last season. Everybody knows it. Breeze is 41. This is his last season. He's probably going to (laughs) play. And Jameis Winston pretty much signed, took opted to be a backup quarterback for the season to sit behind Drew Breeze and potentially take the starting job in new Orleans next year. So, this is going to be the audition of a lifetime pretty much for Jameis Winston. Did he clean his act up after last season? Can he cut down the turnovers? Can he cut down the interceptions? We know he can throw touchdowns, but can he not throw the picks now? Right. If he can, if he can exonate the picks, Jameis Winston could be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Oh, 100%. So let's see if he can cut down the turnovers. He didn't have any turnovers last week. And he played one, he played a second, he played the second half. They're going to obviously mix in Taysom Hill, but we will see. It's going to be interesting. The NFC South, becomes one of the most interesting divisions in football along with the NFC West. 100%. And moving into the AFC East, we're going to talk about the AFC, like divisions that are really exciting right now. You got the AFC East. You have the Dolphins at 6 and 3, which is a, a total surprise. And they're one game they're one game behind the Bills. The Bills are 7 and 3, Dolphins are 6 and 3, and it's solely because it's and the only reason it's because of that is cuz the Bills have had a the Bills like are officially on by this week. They haven't had a bye yet. So Dolphins, if the Dolphins win this week, the Dolphins will be seven and three and tied for first place with the Bills. I think I think this is a a very interesting team, this Dolphins team. Right now they're on a five game win streak, uh one game from being tied with the Bills. I mean this Dolphins team has really taken me by surprise. Um mm-hmm. you know, could we give credit to young QB Tua? I mean Tua's three and O as a starter. He's a three and O as a starter. So I think and, this this Dolphins team is is really showing up. I mean, mm-hmm. we I, I really Nick. I just want to get your quick thoughts. Like, who who do you think you, could you give credit to that is making this Dolphins team so strong right now? I'm gonna give a lot of credit to head coach Brian Flores, who, in my opinion, is coach of the year right now. I thought he was co- my coach of the year. La- the Dolphins went five and eleven last year, and I still said he was coach of the year last year. But because that was a Dolphins team, no one expected to win more than like two games. And then they beat the Patriots in the last week in, the, in week seventeen, and the Patriots lose their bye week, which manages which ends up resulting in the Patriots losing to the Titans. Right. So you could argue that Brian Flores took down Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. <laughs> but the Dolphin Brian Flores, the decision to take out Ryan Fitzpatrick 
at week at the end of week four came with at the end of week five, my bad, came with a lot of scrutiny from a lot of football analysts. And they were like, I don't know if two is ready. We were even talking about it. Is two already? Like he had a huge injury. Tua comes in. Tua is now three and oh, three and oh. He's three and oh as a quarterback right now. And they took two, they put two in when the Dolphins were on a two game win streak, tied at three and three. And Brian Flores knew that Tua was going to give this team something it didn't have. And it's exactly what it has. This offense is fast paced now. And Tua's making throws that Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't making before. And now the Dolphins find themselves at six and three, and Tua's three and oh as a starter. And I'm going to say, if the Dolphins win this week and they tie the Bills, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins win this division. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, I'm just looking here at the Dolphins' next couple of games. So they play the Broncos tomorrow night, then they got the Jets, and they got the Bengals. So that should be three wins. That should be three wins. You know, I, the Broncos, maybe that's going to be uh, – a- The Broncos could be a good game, but the Broncos aren't playing their best football right, right. now. Um, Drew Locke has immensely disappointed me, who I thought was going to be the breakout player of the year. He just hasn't been. I mean, then you got but the Jets. No offense. To the the Jets—they're gonna—they're gonna, they're gonna beat the Jets. The Jets are gonna go zero and sixteen. It is what it is. <laughs> they and then you got the Dolphins, and you get Tua versus Joe Burrow for the first time since they played at LSU and Bama. That's so you get that rematch. And that's gonna be a great game. And I, it, the Dolphins have home field. I can't see how the Dolphins lose. I say in their next three games, Dolphins end up at nine and three, and then they get the Chiefs at home. I mean, this is it's it's you know they should be getting three wins. No, they should be going very far. I think I think they could if, potentially win the division. But I don't want if to- you if you look at I don't want to go I don't want to get ahead of myself. But if you look at their games, they have those three, then they get the Chiefs at home, uh, and then they get the Patriots at home. They should beat the Patriots. No offense. <laughs> non They should beat the Patriots. The Patriots are the Patriots and the Jets two weeks ago had a tank pool. Yeah, so, exactly. and then they get the Raiders in in Vegas. That's going to be an interesting game. And then they get the Bills in Week 17. And I think that game could decide the division. And if you really think about it, the Dolphins could go 11 and five. They they really could. They could in their next in their next six games. They could lose two games. I mean that's just. And then they go eleven and five. It's crazy. I mean, I would not think this. Like, if you told me the the Dolphins could go eleven and five at the beginning of this season, I'd be like, "You're crazy." I wouldn't have believed. You. I would have been like, "You're what do you want?" But now we're looking at a potential eleven and five record for this Dolphins team. But, but, and that's a playoff. That's a playoff and team, and it could be good enough to beat to take over the Bills. I think if they beat the Bills week seventeen, they win the division. 100%. I think the division's got to come down to week seventeen. So switching back to the NFC, Giants had another win. Are they getting a little bit of a win streak against the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend? Or last one, two straight, two straight last weekend, twenty-seven to seventeen. Um, Nick, what do you? What are your kind of thoughts, kind of takeaways from this game? Carson Wentz was horrible. <laughs> um, this is the worst division I've actually ever seen, and the fact that like seven and nine is probably going to mean that you make the playoffs in this division is really sad. <laughs> um, like, if you look at the Giants, the Giants are going to play the Bengals tomorrow. Um, they, they, they should like – the Giants, it's like the battle of – it's like dumb and dumber. <laughs> it's going to be a really bad game. I mean – I, I personally think the Giants are going to win the division. I, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. The, the defense, their defense is not the issue. 
And Daniel Jones is looking better and better every week. Now, two straight weeks without a turnover. I know it went off last week when Giant fans were like, he had a game without a turnover. Now it's two straight weeks without a turnover. So that's a good sign. And I really like Joe Judge. I think Joe Judge is a great head coach. And the one thing that I really like about Joe Judge is that uh, earlier on Wednesday, Joe Judge fired the offensive line coach in the middle of practice. That's crazy. And they just hired somebody new. And apparently they got like Joe Judge and the offensive line coach got into like an altercation. But I love that Joe Judge isn't wasting time. Just he's not he's not having people just waste the time in the development of a young offensive line, and a young offense. He's gonna bring his he's gonna bring in a new guy and they're gonna just keep going. Um he's a no nonsense head coach, and I think it works for a Giants team that hasn't had that since mid Tom Coughlin. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting. But I'm just looking here in the for their next game. They gotta buy this weekend, so they're not playing till next Sunday. Against the Bengals, I mean that's going to be, and they play the Seahawks, and they go back, and they go play the Cardinals. So, I mean, they have a really tough, have a tough <laughs> next three games after the Bengals, the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. Is not, and then they get the Browns, and then they get the Ravens. Oh my God! <laughs> to be a Giants fan today. Oh God! I don't know if they're going to win any of those games. <laughs> I mean, the maybe they beat the Bengals. I mean, they're definitely not going to beat the Cardinals. But they're going to beat the Bengals. I think they'll beat the Bengals. Maybe they can put up a fight against the Browns, but they're not going to beat the Seahawks or the Cardinals, and they're definitely not beating the Ravens. I mean, it's just, it's. I mean, now, maybe the Giants don't make the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, you never know. I mean, this, as you said before, I mean, the this this conference, this division is just. I mean, it's really just dumb and dumber. Like, yeah, it's just really bad. If Philly makes, it's, as I said, seven, seven and nine wins the division. Exactly. Well, guys, that is all the time we have today on Timeout. Thank you for listening and tuning in. We are coming out with another episode next Saturday. Thank you for listening. Um, VIC Radio, Nick Lebrano alongside me with myself, Gabe Baltier. Guys, have a good Saturday, and we'll see you guys later. Enjoy football.